0: Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Misha Makra of MindC about an application he and his team helped design and develop called Hire. Hire helps individuals find temporary shift work in the field of hospitality. The choice to implement DDD, CQRS, and event sourcing was a clear one from the start for Misha and his team, as they knew how complex some of these issues that they were trying to solve would be and how much they needed to rely on a message-driven architecture. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Misha, and let's have a listen. Hey Misha, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'm great, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for um, agreeing to talk about some really cool stuff today. I'm really excited to hear all about it. But before we start with our topic, can you tell everybody about where you are, who you are? (laughs) What do you do? Just whatever you like to share.
1: Sure. Uh, So my name is Misha Makara and I right now work for a diversity focused venture capital group out of New York called Gangels. And -hmm. specifically, I do technical due diligence on portfolio companies and I help uh, usually companies that are in trouble, but every once in a while a company that's doing just fine with designing enterprise systems that are scalable and very secure.
0: That sounds very formal but also very. <laughs> <laughs> and from briefly knowing you, I... that sounds really formal. <laughs> yeah great so i can I can wait to hear more about it actually. Okay, right. but, try yeah, what so... we want to try into. That's great. So you mentioned um, you help these businesses grow and to sort of also grow their products and, and things, which is, um, I think, um, a very interesting topic to uh, possibly get into. Um, but uh, you do work for a company called Mindsy. Is that correct? Or is yes. that? So Mindsy okay. is one
1: of the companies that's part of the Gangel's Venture Capital mm-hmm. Group. Okay. And uh, they're a web development company that's out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and mm-hmm. they are doing a lot of work with domain-driven design and yeah. uh, event source frameworks for their applications.
0: Okay, great. Which is uh, exactly where I wanted to land. And so, thank you for making it so easy. Perfect. <laughs> well, the next up, Right. right? <laughs>
1: it's
0: like you read my mind. This is great. So, um, tell me a little bit about um, domain-driven design and um, event sourcing, and I know you've worked with uh, CQRS as well. So. Uh, How did you come about to um, know some of these terms and uh, patterns and things like that? And what got you really interested about them? Yeah,
1: that's a wonderfully framed question, especially (laughs) considering the company that we're talking about today. So um, (laughs) one of the the companies that uh, is part of the portfolio is called Hire, and that is a Mm -hmm. company that helps uh, individuals find uh, temporary shift work. And Mm so I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that today. Yes, we will. But yeah. Go figure. And um, so that was my <laughs> intro into it. But then since then it's expanded in a bunch of different directions. And mindsea we especially love it for the projects that we're working on, which tend to be highly regulated. We need to make sure that we've got consistent audit trails. Um, we need to make sure that the data is immutable. So of course, uh, event-sourced frameworks and domain-driven designs are incredibly powerful to be able to solve those kinds of problems.
0: Right. So tell me a little bit more about Hire. So uh, you mentioned it's uh, it's good for um, folks who want to work certain shifts. So this is in hospitality, right?
1: Yeah. So let, let's talk about what, what Hire is and, and what they do and kind mm-hmm. of yes. how things came about. Okay. So this is, um, of course, pre-pandemic and pandemic, it became even more important. But the the yeah. whole thing behind Hire is um, it, it started with uh, the CEO, Josh. He was sitting down at a restaurant and he, you know the server came over and said, you know, hey, I'm sorry, we're a little short staff today. And uh, at the time he was working for a hotel and going, you know, I've got these extra staff and, you know, I, I wish there was a way that we could easily have people find and pick up shifts based on, you know, the skill sets that they have and, you know, people yeah. already being trained. So um, hire is an application that does exactly that. So you can kind of think of it as Tinder for a business to help businesses mm. find and hire temporary shift work. So, um, if you're, um, a restaurant and you need a bartender for the evening, you can go post a shift for a bartender. You can Mm -hmm. specify the experience level and the kinds of skills that you're looking for a bunch of people can then go apply. Uh, the business Mm -hmm. gets notified when people apply, and then they can go through those profiles, literally Tinder style and swipe up and down to say (laughs) what they, they like or dislike. And um, the people that they hire then get invited to go work that shift. Um, everything's mm-hmm. taken care of in application, and um, you know people get paid out and reviewed in both directions. So the company reviews the worker, the worker reviews the company. Mm-hmm. And um, on top of that, you know we also have um, these portable benefits called U days. So as you work in the platform more and more, you get credit towards taking time off. So it's
0: yeah, that's really nice. Platform. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you were mentioning Tinder, and in my mind, I was when you talked about hire, I was thinking of this babysitting app that we used to use, and that was very yeah. similar. <laughs> I guess based on your life experience, right? <laughs> it just translates into different things, but yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Okay. and yeah, right. <laughs> there's there's a, a lot of these apps that are coming up, which which is really nice because um, in in hospitality business, especially, it's uh, sometimes really difficult to find um folks who are really reliable sometimes and sometimes um it's kind of flipped the other way around too because you are a let's say a server or you're a bartender you really need work but you can't really find something that uh suits your hours and sometimes i don't know you have three different jobs like i did back in college and you know, you don't yeah, so need an eight to five. You need like a 10 to 12 kind of shift or yeah, something so like
1: that. That's that's how this works. So you can say, yeah. you know, hey, I, I just want to pick up some extra work to go pay mm-hmm. my rent. You can go look in this application, see all the shifts that are happening around you. Um, there's, just go and apply. Um, we also, uh, which is pretty interesting, encourage businesses to hire people off the platform for full-time work. And we don't charge any fees or anything to do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we... We love to hear stories about that, about how companies are using this this application and platform in order to try workers out before they go hire them. And we, yeah. of course, provide the insurance and everything that goes along with that.
0: That's really cool. That's very interesting. Um, I have a million questions about the app, but yeah, <laughs> that's, <not incredible. laughs> that's another topic. But yeah, anyways. Um, but I want to actually focus a little bit more on um, CQRS. So, For hire, you decided that you wanted to um, basically separate these commands and queries and and then event source. So what was the thought process behind that? I know you wanted to scale, and that, of course, kind of allows you to to do more and is more powerful. But can you walk me through a little bit of the decision-making part of it?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about it. So uh, this Mm -hmm. particular company, when I first started um, working with them, had a... Uh, an application that was a traditional CRUD application, and there were a bunch of problems that came along with that. Uh, for starters, you know the the app was very slow. Um, it was mm-hmm. very difficult to go find workers, and uh, you know we'll talk a lot about the state model and the problems that you know CQRS solved there. But a, a simple answer here is that you know we wanted an application that was able to handle handle an Uber level of business. So we Mike. wanted to be able to handle hundreds of thousands of shifts going on all around the planet that needed to be able to um, work in different kinds of localities with different laws and minimum wages and things applied to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also wanted to be able to have a lot of control over the data to be able to make better decisions and recommendations um, and to manage risk. And so Mike. the specifically um, CQRS is. Um, we were it was kind of a, a no-brainer when we were looking at it in terms of our options and different ways to, to rebuild the application.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that um this application existed um before, and then you decided that, hey, this is not working for us, let's let's change it and let's redesign some things. So was it a monolithic application in the beginning? And then you decided, hey let's come out of the dark ages and do <laughs> a little bit different.
1: Hey, there, there's, there's not, sometimes monoliths are the way to go, especially when you're, sure, of course. you're creating a, a product and trying to demonstrate market traction. Um, but mm-hmm. given the needs for scale here, that wasn't going to cut it. And when we yeah. were looking specifically at how to make it more performant, um, we realized that there were just some things about how the application was constructed that were going to be no-go items as part of the you know, the legacy design
0: yeah so yeah definitely I, I agree some um one of the things that we a lot of times recommend is you know start with the monolith and as your application grows and your requirements change then um you can think about um taking things out and putting them into modules and and or different applications altogether and so forth which is um which is always helpful so in your particular case um so you mentioned that there was the issue of the application being really slow And another issue of, okay, so if we want to make this application more of an international um, application where you can work with different, um, really, requirements, different laws, different tax requirements, different um, minimum wages and things like that. Did you have to, um, I guess what I'm really curious about finding out is that how did you start that process? Did you maybe first started in the States and say, okay, let's work with different States first in the United States um, and then grow it more internationally, or did you just... Yeah,
1: so we, we started off in, in New York City, um, and then mm-hmm. very quickly launched also in Toronto. Um, and okay. that, was, that was pretty okay. easy. Um, mm-hmm. So even being able to identify users as being in the US or Canada, we could look at the, the prefix of their phone number to make a determination. Right. Um, but you know, being in a global world, we had people that were switching different regions and localities. And so even there, the international boundary quickly became a problem. Um, and then we wanted to do business in New Jersey, which sounds like an easy thing, except that New Jersey has different wages and different laws and, and different things going on. But yeah. at the same time, a person in New York City should be able to, to work a shift in New Jersey. You know,
0: yeah, driving wanted. distance, yeah. <laughs> easy. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: but, but how do you enforce these different rules? How do you in- enforce these different regulations? Um, on top of that, uh, Canada has different liquor laws right? So there's other oh, certifications yes. <laughs> that you are legally required to have in order to be able to serve liquor in Canada. How do you enforce that uh, for both the organization and the individual? And then how do you do it for certain kinds of of work that are kind of ambiguous? So how do you make sure that you're following the law and with regard to those certifications, with regard to those those minimum wages that you, okay. you have to make sure that the worker is always getting paid above?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, yeah, it just it gets more and more complicated the more that you, you look at it with all of these uh, edge cases and corner cases. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how do you deal with a worker that's uh, that's being hired to go put up flyers that's going to work between different regions? You know, mm-hmm. it's very, very complicated.
0: Very complex. Yeah. So going back to the process of decision making, I think that's, that's um, always very interesting to me because you... Of course, when you either build an application or if you want to improve um, an application, you have uh, certain goals in mind. You want to expand it in you know X, Y, and Z regions, and you may not come to um, really know all of these edge cases ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the design, do you have a design session that you, you do with oh, the with yeah. architects and so forth? And how do you yeah. basically... Do you know all of the questions ahead of time? Do you basically put them together or do you just kind of sit down together and do a, I don't know, event storming yeah, session or something like yeah, that?
1: We, we definitely did event storming. Um, another tool that we did on top of that was we did service blueprinting. So uh, okay. event storming, we, we like to talk about the different actors in the system and the major events and commands and aggregates and all of that good stuff. Um, there's this great companion to that activity, which is uh, diagramming the different lines of visibility between each of the different business units, Mm -hmm. which if you're coming at it from a, a CTO standpoint is really helpful because when you're especially trying to create a new business, it's always about the union between people, process and technology. And so you're trying to use technology to create an experience. So you have to start by designing that experience. Mm -hmm. If you don't start there, then you're making your customers be the victim of that technology rather than using the technology as an enabler. So uh, we started with uh, service blueprinting before we even got into your traditional DDD activities. Um, With that, we were able to start to map out what are some of the different performance reporting things that we needed, the KPIs, um, all of that good stuff, and of course, the, the communications that would be required. So after we did that, uh, we then went into your uh, traditional event storming. Um, We were fortunate enough in this particular application in this particular case to have uh, an existing application we could point to where we knew that there were large gaps in terms of functionality that we could spend more time talking about. And then off of that, we could continue into the the regular development processes from there.
0: Mm -hmm. So I have two questions on that. Um, one, uh, which I guess um, a broader question and then one a little bit more specific. So the first one, um, within your team, uh, did you have to do a lot of training for um, the architects, engineers, um, designers uh, to become familiar with uh, these patterns such as you know DDD and um, even event storming? Did they know about it ahead of time or did you have to do a lot of training for the team itself?
1: We we ended up having to do training, and uh, mm-hmm. this is where Axon is great because there's a lot of existing pre-built materials and things that you can use and point to in right. examples. Um, also, uh, we did send several people to the Axon Fundamentals Boot Camp, the, the three-day oh, nice.
0: job,
1: which is which is helpful. Well, this
0: was back in the day when we did them in person. This was pre-COVID. Yeah. This is, uh, this yeah, is a while okay.
1: ago, So that yeah, was yeah. very, very helpful, but um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of those materials that still exist online that are useful. Um, right. And in terms of facilitation of this, um, first, you know, again, the, the whole idea is that w- this is a top-down approach. We're creating a new product and a new experience so that the swim lane diagrams were very helpful to talk about what do we want the worker to see, what do we want the business to see, what do we want to see from an administration standpoint, and then putting all of those things together. Um, okay. Beyond that, uh, then we went into into the actual domain driven design, and uh, it's very helpful to have a facilitator that can be the one to enforce the vocabulary to make sure that you know stickies aren't getting put up with the wrong colors, or to say, you know, actually, there's a lot of stuff in this one. Let's talk about breaking this one apart a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but everyone can participate in in DDD um, even non technical people can say you know i this is in the wrong order or you know how do you handle this or you know just ask questions that can be uh, can add incredible amount of value to, to the session yeah.
0: and i think um, that's a preference in a lot of companies as well because the whole point of DDD is to answer business question right so you want your business folks there to maybe guide through some of the decision making and so forth as well so that was the case with with um, this application, correct?
1: Exactly. And uh, yeah. again, the, the nice compatibility with the Swimlane stuff is that we had started mm-hmm. with sequencing the large blocks before we went into our wall of stickies. So we were right. all making sure that we were telling the same story.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really great. And um, <clears throat> it's good that you could do it in person at the time and that everybody can kind of come to the same room and... Exchange oh, yes. ideas. Before and times, know, yes. Put sticky notes there. Now we don't, now we don't virtually. Hopefully, we, we go back and do them in person again, which is uh, what I'm looking forward to. So, the other question that I had, which was a little bit more, um, I, I suppose, technical. Uh, so, you mentioned within this uh, uh, previous application or the, um, I guess, mother application that you had, mm-hmm. and uh, then you wanted to uh, go more into distributed systems. Um, Did you have to redesign everything, or did you have a a well-structured set of APIs that you could basically use in order to um, set things apart and pull it apart and modularize it, basically?
1: Yeah, so in in this particular example, we started with Monolith, uh, and there were definitely large blocks of functionality that could be broken apart into smaller services. So, for example, (laughs) notifications, right? You know, we we were using... um, an external email provider and, you know, templates and things like that, that that can all be migrated over, you know, that's, that's not the reason mm-hmm. to do this. Um, but we did want to be able to have a longitudinal visibility about what happened to that user, what was their experience, and that's where mm-hmm. you know, the event sourcing becomes incredibly valuable. So the sending out the email, eh, not the sexiest thing. The <laughs> Uh, the, the ability to layer in that data to construct a, a larger narrative about what happened to this person, what was their interaction with the business, that's where yeah. you know this framework was incredibly helpful to us.
0: Nice. So um, then I'd have to ask, so you mentioned that um, you found Axon uh, Framework and you started working with it. So how did you come across it? Did, were you just looking for yeah. something that could work with, within CQRS and this came up?
1: Well, we, we actually did some performance testing and we're very impressed with with Axon's performance, nice. but that's a okay. that's also a topic for another day. You um, know, but specifically the issue that we were running into was around that state model. And we mm-hmm. can, if you want, we can spend some Tell time Tell me more. With you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tell me more. There was a teaser before. Um, Tell so me everything. It, so here's the the underlying problem. Um, so first of all, we wanted to get an application out the door quickly, and we didn't know what kind of data was going to be valuable to us. So let's let's talk through this as a scenario. So first of all, um, the the talent, the worker goes and applies to a shift. Well, obviously, you know that's an event. Um, we want to know. We'll we'll skip over all the application stuff, but there's a bunch of nuggets of goodness in there too. Um, yeah, there. What was interesting was what what happens when this worker is even getting queued up to go work for this shift? So first, there's a lot of signals that are given to us from the worker that can start to raise our company's interest and in, um, set off some alarms about whether or not they're going to be able to, to make it to this shift. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's GPS data, but there's also other signals that we can look at about, you know did they open the email? Um, did they respond to the text? Um, Those are things that are specific to that particular shift, but there's also other bits of data that we have historically. Have they canceled previously? Um, Have they worked shifts previously? So all of that is good information for us to take into account about, is this worker going to cancel? And obviously, if they cancel, that's a problem, right? The business was expecting that worker to show up. And the whole point of this was, you know, the business wanted a bartender at six o'clock, And they want to know that that bartender is going to be there. So first of all, we handle it with some product things, right? We mark cancellations and we, you know, give the worker a slap on the wrist. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about how did we get around this nasty, nasty state model? And so to do this with a traditional state model, how would you do that, right? You've got all of these different things. So what happens if you see that the worker opened the email, but, you know, is not sending us GPS data? Or what if they are sending us GPS data, but we know that they, you know, they, you know, they they've been able to make fast connections and commutes before. Mm-hmm. So the hugest advantage for us and the major selling point for, for rebuilding the innards of the application here was that we didn't have to make that state model. So let's let's play that story forward a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that looks as simple as the check-in. So mm-hmm. check-in is obviously important because that determines. You know, when are we going to start paying them? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of weird things can happen. Uh, The worker could not click the button. The worker could not enter into the the Mm geofence. The employer could say that the worker wasn't there. There's all kinds of weird things that can happen. And for each one of these different permutations and combinations, you'd have to make a state model and you'd have to create different rules around it. So yeah. the event sourcing framework got us away from all of that and allowed us to layer on different rules and different interpretations based on what the interpretation was at that particular point in time. So mm-hmm. if the business has a good track record and you know, we've got a lot of shifts with them, you know, we can round in favor of the business. If the, the worker has a bunch of you know cancellations, eh, maybe that's a good indication to round in favor of the business again. Right. If the worker's worked several hundred shifts across different businesses and this business has just started, um, mm-hmm. and the worker has a great review, yeah, I'm probably we should round in yeah. favor of the worker, right? <laughs> right so there's, exactly. there's all kinds of things that we can get away from um, that we would have to do a lot of things to figure out in a traditional CRUD application. That in event sourcing make it really easy. We can look at at those things. We can define different weights, and then we can you know make an uh, an informed decision as a result. Um, the same thing. All of those things that I just mentioned just get doubled again when we're talking about checkout. The worker forgets to check out. The business you know has a different checkout time than what the worker said. Um, mm-hmm. You know again, the worker isn't sending us geodata. You know, again, all of those things get massively simplified by using this particular framework.
0: So a question um, that kind of has nothing to do with the um, with the wonderful explanation you just provided. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just curious. Um, so does the worker use a different application than the business does?
1: No. One of the things that's really unique about Hire is that uh, the business and the worker all use the same application and a mm-hmm. worker can switch from being a worker in one context to being a business in another. Um, they don't, they can literally change inside the app, the colors change and all, all of that. But you can go from being a worker to being a, you know, a business just by going under the little profile and, you know, switching and to switching a it. Location.
0: Yep. That's pretty cool. That's really nice. Um, so you mentioned the word context In that case, are we talking about bounded context or we're just talking about different context context? (laughs) Maybe both a little bit. Nice
1: nice try. No, this (laughs) is this is an MBA context. This is not a bounded context. So obviously, you know, with uh, these frameworks, the answer is very frequently it depends. So when we're looking at it under the lens of, you know, determining what the check-in time is, how do we pay this worker? You know, there, what I meant was that you know there's different rules that we can apply based on that worker or that industry or that locality in order to be able sure. to determine when do we start paying that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, all of that gets doubled again for checkout, right? Mike. So, one of those things that on the surface sounds really easy, but when you start to think about check-in, check-out, it gets it gets nasty quick.
0: <laughs> That's really interesting because a lot of times when we talk about um, I don't know, in particular for Axon Framework the use cases, a lot of times you're running into um, certain businesses like FinTech or even healthcare in some areas. And uh, this is this is one of, I would say, more interesting use cases, in my opinion, because um, I was in the hospitality work field long long, long, long time ago. And um, back then you would... Either have a check-in check-out card, or you just go on the computer and just you know punch in your number, or whatever. Um, but then it stayed in the system, which was the business's system. So uh, you as a worker didn't really have any um, any say in it. Basically, you didn't have any control over anything. You just go into their system and enter. So this is um, this is interesting, and this is a, a something that I hadn't thought about. But yes, it's absolutely valid because you're entering something in one application on your end and then the business is entering something else so then how do you deal with it so talking about all of these different edge cases and different scenarios how do you then think about the future of this application and i'm not just talking about the growth of the application but also um, some of these edge cases that might come up do you then go back to the drawing board and bring Mm -hmm. in the whole team and say okay how do we deal with this really complex, difficult situation? Yeah. Or how can we avoid it in the future?
1: Yeah. So the I, I kind of layered it into the story previously, but the, the geofencing was is a is a newer feature. Yeah. Right? So it's another data point that's used to make the determination about first of all, did this person actually work or not? Um and it's when it's kind of a lie start- detector
0: in a way, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's
1: another interesting thing about uh, this particular application. You know, the vast, vast majority of people are good and are trying to do the right thing. But when you get a bad one, they are really, really trying to game the system. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? How do you make sure that you've got uh, enough data before you you block them and you potentially get you know get rid of a a user that could otherwise add a, a lot of value to both you know the employers and you know be a participating part of the community. So um, in terms of layering on and adding additional things, just to follow the the story of the polygon, um, you know, that was an interesting idea that came from one of the organizations that we work with. Um, You know, we can define our, our polygon around that space and say, all right, when they enter in, that's another data point that we can use to make a determination about when do we start the clock for paying that particular worker. So Mm -hmm. even if they don't show, uh, they don't, click the check-in button and the employer doesn't click the check-in button, we at least have some data to be able to make a decision about when do we, when do we start the payment. Um, nice. Another thing I didn't talk about was the payments here are perhaps more important than I emphasized. We do payouts for the worker within 24 hours. Oh,
0: wow. So
1: there's That's- often not enough time to be able to go to the business or to talk to them or to have the business engage. You know, they finish a shift at, you know, two in the morning, you know, those people, you know, don't even think to look at their phones and they go home. You know, we've already started to collect that data and figure out, you know, how much are we going to pay these people? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and there's a credit card involved. And oftentimes these businesses run really tight, you know, limits on their credit card. So how do you deal with these payment edge cases where there's not the available capacity on the card? And you might be screaming at home, oh yeah, there's a pre-auth, just use a pre-auth. Yeah, businesses don't like it when you pre off, you know, a lot more than you need, especially when you know they're a retailer and they're running their their credit limits really tight. So, yeah. you know, again, it's it's a very interesting problem. So, uh, event sourcing allowed us to go layer on, you know, in this particular case, this polygon and use that as another data point, and. But even then, that's not the end of the story because you do have some shift work that are you know people doing pop-up things or they're not working at the location that they said they were going to work at. And that's fine because they're going around and they're you know, putting up signage or they're talking to people or they're handing out cards. And in fact, you want them to be outside the Polygon. So then you have these other situations where you have to say, all right, for this particular kind of work, we're going to place less emphasis on the polygon. Or for this particular employer, for this particular thing, we're going to place less emphasis on this polygon. Mm -hmm. So again, event sourcing allows us to get away from a lot of those problems and the exponential complexity that gets added on that you'd have to do in a state machine or state model.
0: Yeah, I can even imagine how many... I don't know, complex situations you come across, especially as you're expanding and uh, you're dealing now with not just payments or people checking in and checking out, which uh, seem to be on the easier side of things uh, in, a little, uh, in a way, because we're talking on the other hand, you're expanding internationally and you have to deal with um, different tax laws and different employment laws and different, um, I don't know, different ways of, payments. So yeah, as you, you, as you go you and you expand, expand, like, what do you do?
1: What do you do with the worker that, you know, again, you know, we never ask them, uh, what region are they working in? Right. All mm-hmm. of that is defined based on where they, you know, where the actual work is happening. So yeah, having the ability to have a, the same application, the same user being able to, you know, work a shift in New York, Hop on a flight, go to Toronto, open their application, and then go pick up a shift later that that same day. You know that's uh, that's quite powerful, and that's really know, great. A lot of things that have to be interpreted in order to make that magic happen.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. This is this is so wonderful because, you know, again going back to my personal experience being in hospitality and sometimes needing that extra couple of hours just for whatever reason you you have time or you you need to i don't know buy a textbook in college which oh, costs well, probably well, half of your month's paycheck
1: <laughs> well there's also all kinds of magic about making sure that the you know if you have back to back shifts that there's enough space in between to be able to make it from one to another to drive so, there or you I mean, know like that whatever things that go on with that that's there's a whole other set of things that get complexities that you have to think about there
0: Yeah. So um,
1: being able to layer in data from Google Maps about where does one shift end and where does the other one begin? And is there enough time for them to make that commute during that particular time of the day?
0: Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So this I I think this makes a very interesting design session for you guys working on the application (laughs) on a regular basis. You're like, oh, how do we deal with this thing now? (laughs) right?
1: Frankly, it's, it's, it's not so bad, right? Because, you know, we, we spent the time at the beginning doing, you know, doing Which that is very from, important, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So when we when we find that there's another factor that needs to get layered in for something like, you know, how long did they work the shift? It's really not so bad, right? Mm-hmm. We, we just have to figure out, you know, what does the business want to do, which right. frankly is the, should be the biggest problem. Right. The biggest problem should be the, the product design and figuring out what's going to work for the people, not right. doing the actual coding. So, right. yeah, awesome. there's a lot more work that we had to do up front about designing the system and making sure that we got it right. But that design has paid dividends in terms of being able to support, uh, at one point, hundreds of thousands of shifts when we had uh, a national activation for a particular retailer. Um that they hire nice. all of these workers simultaneously, uh, which, by the way, was an interesting morning because I, I didn't know that we had done that, and uh, oh. I was looking at I was looking at our server load. And I was like, oh, someone might have must have done a bad push. Things are <laughs> things seem to not be very efficient. And I looked at our admin panel. I was like, oh, oh no, look at all these yeah. people. <laughs> seems seems like we're doing a thing. And then the CEO called me. It was like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, we're doing a thing. It's was like, great, that's, surprise. that's cool. Well, but yeah, but we, we didn't actually have to do anything. You know, I was expecting it, to it need did to well. yeah. spin up some more servers or to do something. But yeah, no, because everything nice. was just sitting in, in queue. You know, we had yeah. designed uh, an application that could handle some server delays and no one noticed a thing because everything just gets put in a queue and it gets handled when it gets handled. So
0: that's really amazing.
1: Not even a problem.
0: That, and, I, and I think that comes back to what you mentioned, spending a lot of time designing it and you know, thinking ahead and seeing what what can happen and how can you prevent uh, a lot of disasters in the future, which is really, I think, something that sometimes gets overlooked. And um, I'm a huge believer of really spending the time ahead of time as opposed to then going and patching things yeah. in the future. So that's really great to hear. Wow, really wonderful. So um, any other points that you want to Share about this application or your process or anything. No, that no,
1: just um, so specifically for for MindSeed, you know, building applications like these, um, you know, we've we've really taken a fondness to Axon. Um, one of the things that you know we didn't need to use in this particular application that we've been using in several projects now has been the encryption of the underlying events. And that right. can be especially fun if you've got different localities, you know, you're know, you dealing with patients in the US and Canada and they've got different laws and different residency requirements. So being able to encrypt those things and make sure that they end up in the right region has been an interesting problem for us that um, we're thankful for our partnership with Axon for being able awesome. to help us <laughs> and manage those things. But uh, in terms of uh, our process, usually what we like to do as an organization um, and what I like to do as a facilitator is, you know, we sit down, we, we make sure that we understand, you know, the customer, what the business case is, all of that good stuff. Then we, you know, of course, do our mock-ups and simultaneously we'll do that swim lane diagram, our mm-hmm. service blueprint. Um, and off of that, that's where we usually then start to dump in, jump into our uh, domain-driven design and uh, actually mapping out all of the different... Commands and events and aggregates and bounded context, all that good stuff. All your sticky <laughs> time. And right. uh, you mentioned before being able to do it on a whiteboard. I've really been enjoying being able to do it digitally and not having to worry about bumping right. into the wall. So um, <laughs> it it that's one has thing that
0: benefits, I- right? <laughs>
1: And, um, you know, so then from there, uh, you know, we we love to do proof um, of concept tests to make sure that mm-hmm. these ideas and things are are viable and then actually know, working in. and jumping into development. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though we, we've we talked about this under the context of hire, you know, being able to do it for large applications that have multinational requirements and very strict data residency rules and, mm-hmm. you know, unknown reporting requirements, which is a, another topic of, you know. Yeah been very helpful you know we didn't know the reports that we needed to create at the beginning of this you know being able to have an event-based systems has been incredible for being able to define those reports later on rather than at the beginning phase of the project when mm-hmm. you're still fighting through you know in traditional stuff you know your schema design and your your data types so yeah. um another little hidden benefit that uh, we didn't quite expect that's been been huge for us
0: That's amazing. That's really, that's really great. And hopefully these hidden benefits pop up in the future too and make your life easier, which is great, right? That's all, that's all about it.
1: Clients never change their minds. Businesses never change their minds. Of course
0: not. No, no, never. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. Of course, (laughs) of course not. (laughs) Make it super easy for you, right?
1: (laughs) Try try my best, try my best. (laughs)
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much, Misha, for sharing all of this um amazing process that you and your team have gone through, and um, uh, uh, just being available to tell the story and uh, talk about some of the challenges that you had, as well as some of the really great success that you you've had with Hire and in general with, uh, with other projects that you've worked on. Um, so hopefully we'll come back and talk about um another project of yours in the yeah. future, and I really look forward to to that. But uh, again, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Misha. Please join me next time as I discover other fascinating topics with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.